you'll really like. Because there's just nothing better than this. The TrojanSports.com podcast kicks off. Right now? Right now. No, no, I don't know. You said. Cock-a-doodle-doo, Bob. Oh, yeah. Direct from Rivals and Yahoo Sports. This, this is the TrojanSports.com podcast. For a USC with Trojan Sports Publisher, Chris P. Swanson. Moving on. You, you better cut that out, man. I swear. That better, I better not hear that on the podcast. You mean about the him doing that? Yeah, we broke down. The, the Beat reporter, Adam J. Maya. Here we go. Yeah. Message boards. We start March. Yeah. It's the weekly radio show you need for everything USC. Is that your first joke? Follow Trojansports.com on Twitter at USC underscore rivals. The Trojansports.com podcast kicks off now. Now. Welcome to another episode of the Trojansports.com podcast. This week, we sit down with USC football coach Clay Helkin. We talk about some of the trial and error as well as a triumph from his first year as a head coach. Of course, we talk about Sam Darnold. And then we talk about some of the things that USC will need to do in order to accomplish what it wants this season, which, of course, is a national title. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy. Hey, everyone. This is Adam Maya, and I am sitting here in the beautiful office of Coach Clay Helkin. Coach, how are you doing? Doing great, Adam. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, well, we're excited to, to have you. And so uh, let's jump into this. It's been a while since we've been able to talk because usually we talk to you every week or so. But I wanted to talk a little bit about what you've learned in the past year. You've been an assistant coach for so long prior to becoming the head coach here. What is something that you learned about yourself as a head coach? Oh, wow. It's um, a great question. Probably the biggest thing is just how important relationships are, you know, in this profession, especially the college game, when you're dealing with 18 to 21-year-old kids. And, you know, I've always said that, you know, I have three children by birth. I have 105. I get the honor to adopt. And, and one of the things that I think is so valuable that you have to have as a coach is the relationships um, because um, your family is always strong when times are good, you know, but when you face adversity, that trust, that love, and those relationships are going to help guide you through maybe some rough waters. And um, it was evident last year, you know, sitting at one and three, um, and looking a team in the eye and be able to say, hey, it's okay. I know you're getting better each and every week. I love you. Keep competing. Keep on progressing each and every week. And for kids to have that trust and, and trust in the process, that comes from relationships. And it just was evident to me at, by the end of the season how important it is to have that trust of your players, trust of your staff, um, and those relationships that are invaluable. It sounds like that might have kind of saved you guys to some extent, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. your connection with the players. Mm-hmm. Did you know that going in? Because I, I felt like you were a consistent mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. and figure. Well, I, I was so fortunate. I, you know, the story might have been different, to be honest with you, if, if I'm a new guy just coming in, you know. But the, the fact of the matter is it was my seventh season with these kids. You know, I'd sat in their living rooms. I'd had the opportunity to recruit them. I'd had the opportunities to, to see them here and 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 uh, have an opportunity to be a, a part of their lives for some of the guys going into their fifth year, you know. So um, it, it, it really 
was important, uh, I think, as we went through that season, that they knew me. They knew that what they were going to get on a day-to-day basis, um, they, uh, and I wasn't going to change on them. You know, I am who I am, and I'm, never, I'm not going to change whether I'm an assistant coach, whether I was the coordinator, or whether I was the head coach. I was just going to try to help them win football games, help them graduate, and help create a, a great college experience for them. I mean, that's what we try to do on a day-to-day basis. So I remember when you were the quarterback coach and you know, even the offensive coordinator here, and it didn't seem like you really enjoyed being interviewed you know, mm-hmm. by the media at, in those roles. But when you became the interim coach in the middle of 2015, it seemed like a light switch went off. Mm-hmm. Did you force yourself to embrace that part of the job, or have you just kind of changed over time? No, I've always felt as an an assistant coach, you're trying to promote your offensive coordinator and your head coach. That's your job. That's the only way to move forward in your profession is if the team is successful, you know. And I've always been a guy that I, I just believe that you try to help those people that are around you, but you also, I love it when the players are promoted, you know, and the players are in the spotlight because it's a player's game, you know. Um, the one thing I did find out, you know, and I learned, thank goodness I'd been in, I'd been in it for almost 20 years prior to being a head coach, you know, 20 years in assist, as an assistant and as a coordinator, and I had been here six years, you know. So one thing I did learn is, is the accessibility that you have to have at the position of head coach. You know, be accessible to people. Um, they, the one thing about the Trojan family is they love information. They love being a part of this, and we are family. You know, and being accessible to the Trojan family or to the media, that comes with the territory. You know, we're in the second largest media market in the world, and, you know, it's part of the job. And if you, if you don't like it, um, you shouldn't take the job. Um, so um, I, I've been fortunate to be around good people like yourself, uh, like the media that's here, and, and the Trojan family. So it, it comes easy. All right. Look, looking back at 2016, it was a pretty wild ride, and it ended up you know, on a, a really high note. If you could have one mulligan on that year, what would it be? One mulligan on yeah. the year. Oh, my goodness. Um, I don't know how much I, w- I would change because there were so so many lessons that were learned. Uh, you know, um, uh, the one thing I learned personally a, a little bit about was I, I, I focused a lot early on in the year um, teaching them situational football that I think really paid off. We had by far as we went through that year, the kids understood situational football, and our final exam was in the Rose Bowl. Um, where there was so much situational football played in that game, whether it was going for two, two two-minute drives, four-minute stops by by our defense. Um, If I had any mulligan to go back on as I look and self-evaluate myself, would be teaching the guys earlier in the season and even in training camp what helps win ball games. You know, we had to learn that lesson that turnovers, uh, penalties, whether it's um, decision-making penalties or administrative penalties, um, will kill you. And you'll look up and you'll lose a game in the last 16 seconds at Utah in a very tight, close game because of turnovers and penalties in that game. Um, And, you know, if I had any mulligan, it would be really the evaluation of trying to teach them earlier in that year what wins and loses ball game. We focused a lot on situational football, and we learned some valuable lessons early. You guys had a, a quarterback competition mm-hmm. a year ago, mm-hmm. and uh, I had heard that 
when you were looking to make that decision between Max Brem and Sam Darnold that you pulled some of your staff members and that there was actually a bit more support for Darnold um, and that you were leaning in that direction yourself but ultimately had a change of heart. First, is, is that true? And how close were you actually to naming Darnold? It was one of the hardest decisions of my career, if not the hardest, um, at that original decision because of um, how well both kids were playing, both in spring and fall. They were playing at an extremely high level. Um, and, it, you know, it was also hard in the fact that I had seen Max Brown play in games. I'd seen him be ultra-poised um, and felt like there was enough pieces of the puzzle around him to be successful. The one thing I hadn't seen was Sam play in, in live ball games. Um, I, I always ask the opinion of my staff. Um, I'm very fortunate to have a, um, a T. Martin, a Clancy Pendergast, a John Baxter as coordinators, along with some really experienced um, assistant coaches. So you're always smart in gaining valuable opinions. But at the end of the day, my question always to myself, what is the best thing for our team in this moment? Mm -hmm. um, I had not had the opportunity to see Sam play or how, would, or how he would react. Um, I don't know if it was the time to throw him right in the middle of the Alabama game. Um, and, you know, it, I, the way it worked out to allow him to progress through three games, see that he was comfortable in the situation, I think helped Sam. I wish we would have been 3-0, and you know, uh, but it didn't happen. We were 1-2, and two, and another decision had to be made and what was best for the team in that moment. Mm -hmm. And Sam had showed us that he, he was more than capable of doing the job, and so we went that direction. I know it's not hypothetical, but could you have envisioned if maybe Alabama wasn't the opener, because it usually is not, you would have been more willing to go with Darnold? No, I, I think still I had not seen Sam play. Okay. Uh, and, you know, Max had done so much for this football team. Um, and it wasn't like he was playing bad. He was playing exceptionally in, in training camp. And it showed us that, you know, he had been named a team captain. He had the respect of his team. Um, and so I made a full-speed decision. Um, yeah. And I wish, I, in my heart of hearts, I wish it would have worked out for our team and for and for Max. But um, I think uh, one sign of a leader is you have to make those hard decisions. You have to be full speed, have no regrets. And, you know, when it is time, whatever the best thing is for the team in that moment, that you have to go with and you have to live with. It might not look like it, but Darnold hasn't played a lot of quarterback in his career. You know, I, I believe he started 18 games in varsity in high school and now 10 for you guys. Where do you see him having the most ability to grow? Uh, his knowledge of the game. He's always been such a natural the position um, and it just it come it comes easy to him throwing the ball being able to find find open windows the anticipation that he has in throwing um, but I think the greatest thing that again, can happen for him over the upcoming years are his ability to diagnose defenses whether it's defensive fronts defensive coverages you know later in the latter half of that season we started letting him re-slide protections into the into the blitz which well, one of the reasons that we only had 12 sacks on the year, well, along with a good offensive line, but he was diagnosing defenses and resliding, resliding um, protections for us. And then, you know, now we're in a comfortable spot 
where he he understands what's going on defensively, and now we're going to be able to give him some, you know, later in the season we gave him some two-play calls, you know, basically getting us into one play or the other. He had the opportunity to audible and get us into different plays. So, you know, those are things that I think he will continue to progress in and will make him even better is his knowledge of the game. Because like you said, he's only played 10 games and, yeah. and, and reps are so valuable at this level. And even the next is, you know, the experiences that you game and gain in real live action um, carry so much weight. That knowledge of the game. And I think also you take a quarterback's command of the offense. Mm-hmm. They've been in a system for a long time. I know that that's invaluable. I'm wondering when you study great quarterbacks, I know that you guys do it, do you see a commonality among those great ones who keep improving and continue to take leaps? Mm-hmm. What, what is it that? Yeah, I, I, I've always thought really good quarterbacks have you know, basically five characteristics, and it's the same thing that we do our evaluations on um, when we're bringing quarterbacks in. The first is, you know, the intangibles. Um, you are the face of the program. You you are uh, in the second largest media market, and, and it's the one position that everybody is watching you every snap. So how you handle that is ultra important as a leader, um, your body language, um, because how you react, the other people around you are, are going to react. Um, so those intangibles are the first thing that I see. Is he the definition of what we want a Trojan to be? Um, in Sam's case, no question. Um, you know, the second, the next three are really mechanical. It's decision making, timing, and accuracy. Does he make quality decisions by diagnosing defenses and getting it to the right player? Um, is he does he do it in a timely manner? Um, because if you give a Juju Smith, uh, you get the ball out on time and you give him separation, three to four yards worth of separation from a defender, you know he's going to make huge yards for you after the catch. So being able to anticipate open windows is huge. Um, and then the last thing is just the accuracy. Um, being able to throw accurate, catchable balls. And, you know, you're looking at a quarterback that was in the high 60 percentile um, for completion ratio. So he was ultra accurate. And what I really liked about Sam coming out was the different arm angles that he possessed. You know, there's a lot of nice mechanical throwers um, that are in seven-on-seven and one-on-ones, and they throw a really pretty ball. But at the end of the day, it's what you do with live bullets around you. And he just had such a creativity of being able to throw it. it did, all different type of arm angles. Didn't have, wasn't one of those guys that had to step into his throw. He literally could lock his feet and just use his core to throw the ball. Um, so he had all the mechanical traits. And then the last part, I just, uh, I really feel is great quarterbacks produce. They produce wins, uh, and you know um, Sam had that quality coming out of high school. You, you know the ability. I, I remember his. You know he didn't play as a junior. His shoulder was hurt. And you look at that San Clemente team his junior year compared to his senior year. You know they had a losing record his junior year. Then he comes back and wins a title for, yeah. for San Clemente uh, for Coach Ortiz. So um, you, you're talking about um, those five things are what we look for, and what I think is ultimately the sign of a good quarterback. Well, we saw it all in the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, culminated uh, I think on that final, the final drive to well, the one to tie the game. So I wanted to ask you about that touchdown that he threw yeah. to Burnett. If you could kind of walk me through that play a little bit, mm-hmm. what was? Do you remember what was the primary objective of that play, and 
do you remember what you were thinking when you saw John Arnold? He he had Juju underneath and he could have mm-hmm. jumped it, mm-hmm. and instead he you know he drops it in between three defenders mm-hmm. and Deontay. Yeah, it, it was uh, ultimately at the end of the day it was an unbelievable chemistry between uh, it cultivated for basically six months of work between two guys. Uh, you know, and that chemistry between Sam and Deontay on that play was invaluable because it was basically a high low read. You saw Juju come in on a shallow and you had Deontay coming in on a dig, but the Mike linebacker was in his way. Instead of coming up underneath him, he decided to take it high because he saw cover two. Um, what really helped us in that, in that spot was um, that coverage was what old school was called two Tampa, where the two safeties play off the hash, they're outside the hashes, and the Mike Backer is responsible for the middle third, basically, be deep as the deepest. Um, well, because the mic was a little bit too shallow, Deontay decided to take it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you remember earlier in that game, we had hit Juju in the same coverage off a of play action for a long pass down Penn State's boundary off a of play action where the safety didn't get over. Mm-hmm. Well, this time the safety de- the safety decided to be off the hash in his responsibility. The mic didn't get deep enough, and the chemistry between those two kids um, to be able to see that, recognize it with each other, and to let that ball go when he did with that type of timing, that type of decision-making, that type of accuracy, um, was just a great play uh, between two kids and really a cultivation, uh, a cultivation of some great chemistry that had taken place throughout the year. When, I mean, okay, so he, he does have the potential in that play to probably pick up 15, 20 to Juju. No, no question. So I just wondered, did your heart skip a beat when you see him go for the home run? Or he is—he's um, <laughs> one of those kids that he—he um, he sees things differently um, than a lot of folks. Um, his anticipation to see open windows is very unique, um, and we saw that all year. Uh, yeah. and, and there's a lot of times, I'd I, I, be lied if I said there's a lot of times I go, oh, no, oh, God, great throw. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that, and that happens, but, but that's, that's, why he was, uh, that's why he was successful. And you, you try not, as a coach, to handcuff a very unique and special quality that a kid has um, because that's the way he grew up playing. Um, and so, you know, we allow him to do that. Uh, playmakers make plays, and he's a playmaker, so uh, we don't try to make him into a robot. I shot a video uh, during the post-game celebration of the Rose Bowl, and there's a, a moment there where you guys embrace one another. Mm-hmm. He puts his arm around you, and it looked like he was mouthing the words, that was one, that was one of them. Um, I, I couldn't make out what he said after that, but I, I'm assuming he was referring to winning that bowl game. Mm-hmm. What, what was that change about? Uh, it was just, um, it, it, he's always been, he, he amazes me because he, he always goes to the next step. He's like a great golfer or a great pitcher. You know, that golfer makes that swing. And whether it was good or bad, he, he's, it, that, that swing's gone and he moves on to the next step. Um, I even saw it on that throw that you were talking about to Deontay. If you go back and watch the TV copy, he makes that throw. 99.9% of all 19-year-olds in America are jumping up and down, yelling, celebrating. He literally looks to the sideline and looks at me 
and says one or two right. because that's the way he's trained. And yeah. in that situation, depending on the time, we were either going for one or two. He expected to make that play. He expected to. Yeah. You know, so he, he, he went to that next step. And just after that game, that embrace was like, he was like, Coach, that's, that's one. And he was ready. He was his mindset right. is all right. What's the next step? Um, so he's just—he's got that unique quality. I think of, of great ones. He's—he's he's not satisfied. He doesn't like being comfortable. He likes pushing the envelope and, and getting to the next step. Final thing on John Little here. Um, I want to ask about his recruitment a little bit. So as I understand it, Ed Orgeron filmed him doing some linebacker drills back when he was, I think, a freshman in high school. And I was told that uh, Justin Wilcox at one point asked Arnold if he was interested in playing linebacker, and he tells Wilcox, no, I'm, I'm a quarterback first, but thank you. And so I'm wondering if you can just maybe describe how you got involved with the, the recruitment mm -hmm. and just what, what some of your first impressions were at that point and how you projected him down the road. Yeah, he, you know, early he had played multiple positions, uh, kind of like a Jack Sears did too. His predecessor um, was a wideout for Sam while, while he was growing up. Um, there can only be one quarterback, and both of them are very unique special athletes. Um, so uh, credit to Coach Ortiz who was there, you know, to to be able to use a young kid. I think at that time they may have had Travis Wilson uh, mm -hmm. when he was a young kid who also was an exceptional quarterback that went to Utah and did a great job. Um, but um, he played other positions, and then when he got his opportunity his junior year, lo and behold, he gets hurt. So yeah. not a lot of folks know about him, right. you know, um, and there's just not a lot out there of information. Um, so at, he, he's able to get thrown again um, the spring of his junior year, and um, you get the evaluation process now to be able to go out and you see something really unique and really special, uh, raw, but very special. Um, and so uh, we had had a quarterback that was already committed here. Um, he, um, uh, he came to our camp wanting to show. Uh, he's always wanted to be a Trojan and grow mm -hmm. up being a Trojan. Yeah. Um, had the opportunity to talk him into coming to camp and, and showing Coach Sark, who was the head coach at the time, yeah. what he could do. And he's never been afraid to compete. Um, his question always was, you know, Coach is the best player play. That's all I need to know. Um, and obviously the answer is yes. Um, so came out here, put just put on a show in our summer camp. And uh, um, thank goodness Coach Sark said, you know what, we're going to take two in this class. Just credit to Coach. I mean, he, he saw something special like like we all did. Um, and so, you know, we, take, we offer Sam. Um, he commits that summer mm -hmm. uh, to us. Uh, and then... You go back out in the fall and you go evaluate just to make sure, you know, is it, yeah. is this the guy? And so I go out, I go out, you get the one evaluation in the fall and standing out there and watching him and, you know, you think a kid, okay, here he's going into his senior year. Um, he's got the quarterback coach, offensive coordinator coming out to see him. Um, how will he handle it? He goes out there and the first half goes 13 for 13 for five touchdown passes. <laughs> and, you, and you're sitting there as a coach going, Wow, this we got the right guy. Um, yeah. So, um, credit to credit to Sam for wanting to be here, and credit to Coach Sark uh, for making that decision to sign two quarterbacks that year. All right, now let's go look, look ahead a little bit. Um, 
when you had a chance to review the film from last year of, of you guys, mm-hmm. what position, or maybe just aspect of the team, it doesn't have to be one position, but what position or aspect did you feel needed to improve for this to become a, a national title team? Um, well, first of all, you know, the next step is going to be, one, to prepare the talent that we have. When, when I look at the men that left, you had five draft picks, you had nine free agent signings. Fourteen men right now are currently in, in many camps and OTAs off last year's team. So, you know, to be able to replace that talent was the first thing in development. Um, you know, I, I think about a young receiving core that we signed two years ago, five kids that we redshirted with the exception of Michael Pittman yeah. and, and how they have to progress. I think of an offensive lineman that lost three kid and three offensive linemen that are currently in mini camps right now and in on NFL teams. And now that next, a Chris Brown and a Chuma Adogo and those, a Roy Hemsley, Clayton Johnson, plus some freshmen that we signed really stepping up and, and being able to, to help us in that area. But not only the development of talent, I think the other thing is going to be the development of leadership because when I say the names Stevie Tui Kolobatu, Michael Hutchings, Justin Davis, Darius Rogers, Juju Smith, Adore Jackson, you mentioned those type of men. Not only were they great players, but they were also great leaders. So now Mike Hutchings leaves, Cam Smith has to go to that Mike linebacker position, become the quarterback of the defense, and be the leader that Mike was. A Chino Uoso and a Porter Gustin now have to take that place of that rock that Stevie T was. A Sam Darnold, you know, going into his third third year here at, at USC, now has to capture an entire offense and lead it. So not only is there a talent development that has to happen, but also a leadership development because it's a different team. When you lose 14 men yeah. that, that, are, that are that quality enough to be in NFL camps, not only are you losing talent, but you're losing leadership also. So those are the two things that we've identified if we have to be able to get done to be a successful team and take that next step. I know we're about two months out from the beginning of training camp, but I was curious as to whether you had an inkling about where you're going to put Toa Logan Dine. Where, where do you, I guess, believe he'll play when you start training camp? Well, Adam, I think one of the things that we're going to have to look at is first identify the best five linemen. And mm-hmm. that's one of the things I think we've done a really good job here is signing guys that can play multiple positions. I think of Max Turk, you know, having played tackle guard and ended up at center. Yeah. I think of Nico, you know, having the, having the opportunity. He started at tackle, now he's at center. Uh, Toa is the other man. has In his career yeah. has played t- he started, started at four of the five spots. Exactly. And, so. Yeah. So, you know, the, the biggest thing for us is to identify the best five, uh, identify the best five and put yeah. them in the spots where they can be. There's no question in my mind that Toa could play any position. There's no question in my mind that Nico could play center or tackle. Mm-hmm. It's the, the question in my mind right now is, thank God we have two months to get them healthy, mm-hmm. both of them healthy, and get a Vianney back at that interior um, and put the best five out there. And we'll, we'll do what's best for our football team. But it'll be, you know, Nico, to his credit, has done a really, really good job um, of being able to come in and really lead a football team like he did last year. Um, and Toe has shown that same. So we'll get the best five and we'll get them in the right spots. So I know during the spring it was hard because they weren't healthy. You know, they weren't healthy and you know, even you know, 
Toad was out, but Nico was battling and Biani. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, is it a concern that they won't be able to work together until training camp, or is that overblown that they haven't No, no I think one of the things, spots? as you've seen, Adam, and what's really important to us is, you know, our summer PRPs, mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, as they get healthy and they're getting back is to develop that chemistry as an offensive line and calls. And, and one of the things I've learned as an offensive coach over 22 years is you must train people uh, in, in different positions. Um, you must ex- plan for the worst and hope for the best. Um, uh, I'll never forget, you know, two years ago. Who would have ever thought you would have got to your four-string center in yeah. Nico Fala? And I think about our developmental practices that we would do on Monday and, and how we would have Nico over there for center quarterback exchange and how he kept on training. And then all of a sudden he's asked in the UCLA game to go out there and perform in, in by far the most important game of the year for us uh, that season. Um, and he just – does it like it's secondhand. Um, but the preparation that led up to that was pivotal. So both guys have to train at that position, uh, you know, as well as a Cole Smith, as well as, uh, as, well as a Brett Nealon, um, because you could get to your four-string center. You, you had Frank Martin working and, there. Yeah, and Frank. So it's not a bad thing to be able to train guys in multiple positions because, like I tell them, you know, not only for us, but even at the next level, when you can show yourself – that you can snap a ball, that you can play the interior, that you can play the exterior. You just put more tools in your toolbox and you make yourself a more valuable asset. All right, Coach. Well, I know you got to run, but I want to ask you one more question here. Since you've been here at USC, you've been a part of two teams, 2012 and 2015, that had very similar preseason expectations. Of course, you were an assistant for both of them, but I'm wondering, do you take anything away from those experiences in terms of managing a team with a lot of preseason hype and mm-hmm. national title hopes. Yeah, um, the biggest thing for me uh, on these teams that have been successful is for the team to understand that individual success is the, is the byproduct of the team's success. Um, that the individual accolades, whether it's trophies, whether it's first-round draft picks, whatever it might be, is based on how we do as a team. Um, and I think that was captured last year and understood. Um, and that's the goal going in. We all understand the expectations here at SC. You know, it, if you don't like it, don't take the job, don't come here. Because we know that as rewarding as a Rose Bowl is, as many special memories as we made last season, that's not what SC is about. SC is about winning Pac-12 championships and winning national championships, uh, you know, and the Rose Bowl being a part of that is just an added bonus to it. So did we make very, do we make the most special memories that you could possibly have last year? No question. But my first question to our team is, are you satisfied? And not one person raised their hand uh, in the room at, at our first team meeting in the spring because I think we all understand, you know, what the ultimate goal is here. Um, we understand where the bar is set, and it's been set there for a long, long time. And, you know, so we welcome it, and we look forward to it, and can't wait to get started. All right, Coach. Well, thank you so much again. We hope to talk to you again soon at some point, but I uh, just want to say thank you for the time. No, appreciate you having me, Adam. Thank you.